Let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity. Digital identity is a challenge for everybody, people, businesses, government. Thanks to open standards, we can navigate securely on the internet. And this is the product of hard work by organizations such as Kantara Initiative, which this year celebrate 10 years. And we are going to hear more about Kantara Initiative and who could be the best person on telling all the stories than our guest today. Colin Wallace is the executive director of Kantara Initiative, the global non-profit trade association dedicated to improving trustworthy use of identity and personal data through innovation, standardization, and good practice. Cantara operates trust frameworks to assure digital identity and privacy-oriented service providers and manages grant funds both sides of the Atlantic. It is home to two highly desirable open-source specifications in the top five trends for 2018 noted by Copergen Call, Yuma, and the consent received. Collins combined public and private sector background in online identity and privacy, builds on 15 years of contribution to international standards and consortia. Collins maintains leadership positions in OECTD, ITAC, and ISO SC27 in topics around information security, privacy, and trusted identity. Hello, Colin. Hello, Oscar, and thank you so much for uh, inviting me onto this podcast. Uh, thank you also to UbiSecure, who is uh, supporting this. So um, it's a pleasure to be here and um, and looking forward to uh, spending the next uh, uh, 30 or so minutes with you. It's always a pleasure hearing your voice <laughs> uh, today. Uh, so yeah, let's call in. Let's talk about digital identity. And we are going to talk about Cantara uh, initiatives. So please start telling us a bit more. What is Cantara? Right. Okay. Um, so you can. So thanks. Uh, different accents here. Uh, so you can tell that uh, uh, perhaps, uh, although I'm based, I'm personally based in the UK. Uh, that's uh, an, a New Zealand accent that you're mm. you're hearing, slightly flatter than uh, than perhaps. Uh, New Zealand accents that have always, uh, for people who have always lived in New Zealand, but uh, <laughs> that's where I come from, and um, and it's a pleasure to be uh, here with you today. Um, you, actually, in the in the um, introduction there, you you quoted Kantara's uh, mission and vision statement, and that's uh, that's pretty accurate. Uh, you know, it's certainly it's around um, uh, it's around giving. Um, better standardization and, uh, increasing confidence in, in, uh, user trust of, uh, internet technology. And, uh, that's certainly what we do with our specific focus on, on, uh, digital identity and, um, and access control and, um, personal data. Certainly we have, um, it, it's a, it's an interesting organization because Kantara is, Really, a mix of three organisations, and I should probably try and uh, um, state that out a little bit more. You're quite right; it's been ten years. We're coming up for ten years in June, actually, uh, since our um, 
inauguration uh, back in the US. And in those days, of course, we, we started off as um, uh, a, what in the US parlance is called a 501c6 for tax uh, purposes. That's an industry organization or business league. Um, that is a, uh, a, a non-profit um, mm-hmm. uh, tax structure. And uh, that was what we started with. And actually, uh, right through um, the first executive director was was Breck McDowell, uh, who's now exec director of, of uh, FIDO, although you might have heard um, recently, there's recent news, he's moved to uh, moved to Hedera, I think, or at least in part. I think he's uh, um, sort of uh, half his time um, in FIDO and half his time in uh, Hedera, just, uh, in the um, blockchain uh, distributed ledger space. Um, so he was the first executive director, and uh, in fact, the you know it was uh, under Brett that Cantara um, um, originally was established as a Delaware-based organization, and then that carried on very much. Um, um, in the next, uh, through the next executive director, uh, well known across the world as well, Joni Brennan. Uh, Joni is now the executive director of uh, DIAC, uh, Digital Identification and Authentication Council of Canada, uh, and um, and I'm the third executive director. And this is where some things changed along the way um, because I moved Cantara. Uh, um, um, to a much broader scope. Uh, so, in fact, today, Kantara is uh, not only the original 501c6 Industry Association incorporated in, in Delaware in the US, uh, but it also has, uh, it's been joined by a 501c3, uh, which is actually a public good charity uh, really specifically around, uh, well, I'll come to the history of why that is. Uh, and, um, but it's certainly assisting grant funding, uh, in the US. And probably most important for this audience is, uh, Kantara Initiative Europe, which was incorporated, uh, early in 2018, January 31st to be precise. And, uh, that's incorporated in Tallinn. Uh, Estonia and uh, continues uh, uh, to show great success um, throughout Europe. So it's actually effectively Kantara is a brand. Um, it's 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 a brand that associates. Um, we would like to have various associations with that. One is um, its ethics and ethos that actually runs through all three of these different um, financial entities, and that is that it's uh, ethics-based and, and uh, has a strong ethos of, um, of participation Low or no barriers to participation. Mm-hmm. So many nonprofits these days, you know, folks say, you know, nonprofits, you know, that must be great. You know, they're not for profit, therefore they must be great. But a lot of, a lot of uh, nonprofits and they do some great work, but many of them are very exclusive in the way that they operate. So they are absolute hard out pay to play. If you don't pay your membership fee, then you get no benefits. You don't get to participate. Um, so it means that a lot of the work gets locked up in almost like a sort of a, an exclusive club or cartel. Uh, and that's absolutely not what Kantara wanted to do. And the board is, uh, Kantara's board is adamant that we were going to, uh, strike off in a new direction. 
uh, in 2009. And it's, it's, you know, it certainly is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult business model to build, uh, because in fact, you know, when you, when you open up your organization to, uh, anyone, um, who can come and participate in your community work groups to help build standards. And of course, by that, we get very good standards and, and best practice because we're getting folks that, uh, perhaps sometimes can't afford, uh, the large membership fees, you know, but the, the nonetheless, you know, they, they have a great, um, uh, they, they contribute greatly to it. Uh, and as a result, we're able to get much better products, if you like. But, uh, you imagine when you're giving away, you know, half your, <laughs> half your assets for free, um, it does make the, the business model, um, uh, difficult, which means that uh, we um, are hugely grateful to uh, for-profit organisations such as UB Secure, who see in their corporate responsibility mode uh, see the uh, the need and the the motivation to uh, join Kantara and supply it with some funds to enable it to support the infrastructure uh, to allow. Folks that uh, don't or haven't joined, um, but still have great value to add to to come into the business. So that's where we are today. We're basically three organisations. We're a global brand. We have members uh, from all over the world. Uh, we have members in the private sector, uh, the public sector, and uh, also the not-for-profit sector, and individual members as well. So we we cover the whole range. And uh, it's interesting as we've we've gone on, we've started off in that very close into the digital identity space and very much in the US. And uh, as time has gone on, we've been actually joined by the uh, personal data folks uh, and the privacy folks because they they fully appreciate that uh, that you can't really have good privacy without uh, good identity, which relies on good security. And so it's natural, really, when you look at uh, personal data vaults and stores and uh, consent management systems and so on, you can absolutely appreciate why they might be drawn to Kantara because that was uh, our original expertise. That was our focus point. And they understood that uh, – Looking at some of our conformity assessment programs, which actually started with the U.S. government and have uh, moved out from there, uh, that having that sort of kind of baseline, that uh, that deep understanding of how uh, identity management service provision works and how to get that to a point where you can audit it and trust market um, is something very, very useful if you're in the business of, of privacy and uh, personal data and being able to, you know, for example, thinking of one of Kantara's other um, specifications, the consent receipt, uh, to be able to um, to base, basically make sure that you're actually uh, delivering the consent receipt to the person, uh, to the correctly identified and authenticated person uh, who's on the website. I mean, this is pretty critical stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, as you said, uh, this openness on, uh, from Kantara to, uh, to open arms to um, well, everybody who is really, truly interested and passionate about uh, building standards on this identity. Uh, it's yeah. very beneficial. And I, and I know it because I, I've been part of that already also a bit more than one year and connected to the, the group that, the world group that works with consent receipt that you just uh, mentioned. And yes, there are 
people from wide backgrounds, no? individuals, uh, consultants, academia, and of course, companies. Um, now that we talk about Consent Receive, and it's one of the interesting points about Kantara, could you tell us what it is? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's interesting. The, the work in the specifications and best practice, along with our, um, our uh, R&D and innovation uh, program, we call it KIPI, Kantara Identity and Privacy Incubator. Uh, those two, um, those two programs, if you like, the community based, um, the community based, uh, standards and, and best practice, uh, development program and the R&D are really feeders into Kantara's, uh, much, um, it's, it's real focus point, which is around conformity assessment and assurance and trust marking. Uh, of solutions, so these these two are feeders into the into the sort of the flagship, if you like. Now, looking at consent received is a perfect case, actually a classic case um, of how uh, of how Cantara has contributed to in a global way uh, to supporting uh, you know the furtherance of privacy and personal agency um, uh, over. Uh, over data about them around the world that uh, individuals have. And we actually do that not perhaps as so directly with those uh, end users, but through uh, their companies, uh, their, the, uh, the, they, they are in fact customers of uh, organizations and service providers providing services on the web. So Kantara Consent Receipt was a classic case about how that, uh, how that came to pass. It actually started off as the... Uh, the um, information sharing workgroup, not the consent and information sharing workgroup. We actually started off with the information sharing agreement, uh, and, uh, and you will actually find that there are folks who have adopted that uh, and carried it forward. JLink Labs is uh, possibly the most well known uh, of uh, of late. But you'll see that uh, there was actually some earlier work called the uh, the the standard label. So if you look at standardlabel.org, uh, you'll actually find the original information sharing agreement and the structure out of that original work group. And that work group started around 2012 from memory. Uh, and that was uh, probably our first foray, Kantara's first foray outside of the pure play uh, digital identity space. It was joined uh, later on with uh, consent, adding consent and information uh, to information sharing. And um, that was uh, with the uh, knowledge that, you know, the European data protection, uh, the directive uh, was being replaced by the GDPR and that how critical consent was to the, uh, you know, as one of the six bases of processing and potentially, um, the, the, the most difficult for, um, an industry practitioner to work with. So that's really how the consent receipt came along. And we recognized very early on that there was going to be this need to be very transparent in the way that you, when you talk about the collection of the data and the purpose you're collecting the data and how long you're going to keep it for and all of those things uh, under GDPR, that you're going to have to give the user a 
um, a, a clear a, a clear picture about uh, what it is that we've agreed, and that would naturally go you know be viewed through a viewer, but also go in a in a machine readable sense into a personal data store. What's happened there is here's a classic case where you where industry saw a gap. There was there was just simply nothing there, and actually to this day, um, there is no uh, um, there is no other equivalent to uh, Kantara's concentracy. So we went and created, and it's now at version one point one. And what we actually saw is other work coming up uh, uh, out of ISO in particular. Uh, we saw that the um, there were standards being created uh, out of there. In fact, these third we're coming to draft international standard. It was third CD just uh, earlier this month, uh, but it's now draft international standard of ISO two nine one eight four online privacy notices and consent. And here was a classic case where consent was already being mentioned, but there was no no ability to to explain what that meant in words. So Kantara was asked to contribute the consent as an example or a sample of a consent receipt you know, in a in a sort of a pictorial form, physically what they what a user might see in the viewer, as an annex into that standard, and uh, that's actually just gone in, and it's a it's it's just a perfect case of showing how industry starts with a blank sheet of paper, builds something, refines it because you know we wanted to make sure that it was uh, it was adopted um, by industry, and we had good adoption rates before we would be uh, we, we submit it to um, an international standards organization for for internationalization and that's a perfect case of what's happened there so what it is is basically all of those fields that you might imagine when you know you look at a notice and the um, a privacy notice is sort of telling you about uh, you know the the data you're going to um, that uh, the processor is going to process for how long whether there's going to be um, Sorry, the, the controller is saying um, the data that they're going to capture, who's going to process it for how long, and so on. Um, we capture all those in a series of fields. Some of them are mandatory, some of them are optional. But the idea is that the user has a very clear, um, a clear summary just like you would in a physical receipt if you were buying something over the counter, a clear summary of what it is you bought and why you did it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we are really having these transactions all, all the time, right? So you, you we are. To, we, you, you, for instance, you want to buy in a web shop, you know, been, Yeah, you have to deal with that. You, you go to a read a, a magazine, online magazine. You never, they will ask you consent. So this is all the time. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it brings me to mind, um, you know, Kantara's other, you know, flagship mm-hmm. uh, piece of best practice, which is UMA user managed access. Yes. So here's a here's another case where um, uh, industry saw it's built on OAuth, right? So you know uh, the OAuth protocol, which is which is great, but it was actually the OAuth protocol was really designed to be a two party thing. It was never really Built to be a multi-party thing, uh, and you know, so many of the uh, transactions that we have today, and uh, in, in terms of sharing data, involve multi-parties. I mean, if yes. you think of, you know, financial services, uh, where you've got, you know, your bank, your insurer, your pension fund, 
all of these folks, your your financial advisor, all of these folks need to have you know access uh, to certain parts of your data um, and uh, to be able to help you with it. And you want to, as a user, you want to have personal agency and, and control over how that is shared, who's having it, for how long, and so on. So it's very similar to the consent receipt um, in that in that sense, but it's uh, certainly more directed towards uh, extending uh, OAuth into particular cases where you need uh, author, you know, federated or authorized uh, delegated access. Um, so classic cases, are, you know, I've talked about the financial services, but uh, healthcare is another uh, great case where you'll find that, uh, where you've got, you know, your your own you know, general practitioner, your doctor who has some of your records, but your specialist will have other records and the specialist will want to share some of those with the hospital because you're due for an operation. At the same time, you have a Fitbit, uh, which also has to uh, is being supplied to you because you know it's regulating some part of your your body temperature or pulse or whatever. And and these things are, are critical for the you know the particular treatment you might be given. So the way in which the you know and this is very personal data and the way that uh, the user is able to uh, to control, control and manage those and delegate access to the, in the appropriate time um, reduces the possibility or the the uh, possibility yeah of security and data protection issues um, by having all of that data duplicated to say nothing of the time delay by you know photocopying and emailing and third party which is which is just a sure way to um, have you in line for a data breach with all of your personal data spread across uh, the, the healthcare system rather than actually being in one place and allowing you to authorize its release to a second person mm-hmm. yeah another of your flagships um Specification and projects that you're working on, uh, Yuma and the, the previous that you mentioned, consent received. Uh, so some products of the excellent work that Cantara is doing in in, in these years. Yeah, Colin, it's great to hear the this uh, fabulous project you have just described of Cantara. Um, I think something I didn't ask you is uh, what is the origin of the name Cantara? Ah, yes. Yes. Interesting, uh, interesting story there, actually, uh, because, you know, it's not, uh, so, like so many, uh, organizations, they're, they're made up of an acronym, you know, thinking mm-hmm. of FIDO, your know, fast identity online and so on. Um, and DIAC, you know, Digital Identification Authentication Council of Canada. Cantara is, uh, you know, it's, it's very long for an acronym. In fact, this, uh, the name was, uh, was contributed, uh, by, um, an initial board member, uh, Nomura Research Institute, NRI. And, uh, while that may mean not so much to folks on this, uh, on this call, mm-hmm. uh, listening to this podcast, certainly the name Nat Sakamura will do. Uh, Nat is the, uh, chairman of the Open ID Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, instrumental, uh, as a, as a, uh, co-author of the Open ID specification, Open ID Connect as well, which he did with John Bradley and Mike Jones. Uh, and uh, has certainly been uh, instrumental in providing us with this name. 
Now, uh, what does it mean? Well, it actually means bridge, or, or more specifically, wooden bridge in, in Arabic, in mid-Swahili, that's sort of mid-African language. Now, how would uh, Matt, who's clearly Japanese, you can tell by mm-hmm. that name, uh, would would actually provide us with a, a uh, um, an African-Arabic uh, suggestion for the organization. And that's because actually Nat Sakamura, his parents were diplomats. Uh, and uh, he spent, uh, while he was born in Japan, he spent uh, a lot of its younger childhood um, uh, in Africa and various different countries throughout Africa um, as his parents were, were doing uh, the diplomatic um, good works of the Japanese government there. And so he he understood and learnt uh, um, Arabic and mid Swahili while he was there, and uh, he thought this was a perfect uh, perfect um, name, which reflects what Kantara does, a bridge. And actually, you can see that in the if you if you go to Kantara's website, kantarainitiative.org or kantarainitiative.eu or edu.kantarainitiative, edu.kantarainitiative.org, you can you can actually see that. Um, it's a look. Some people call it a rainbow, and that's sort of kind of. But close, but um, that it's it's that showing that kind of um, that semicircle uh, in, in in different colours and different hues, and the the rationale of taking that kind of that bridge effect, if you like, um, the rounded uh, the rounded bridge uh, to connect different communities together is a core part of what Kantara did, and it's it's it probably leads in nicely to some of Kantara's history. There was um, a time, um, you know. There's certainly there's always been. I think between uh, between organisations, between industry, you know, there's some friction at times. But in the early 2000s, there was a significant amount of friction uh, in the early. Um, web services uh, space between uh, particularly between industry main industry players and uh, and potentially we had certainly with uh, some of those large organizations at the time CA, HP, Microsoft, Oracle, uh, Sun and so on um, UE, IBM, we had uh, you know there was a, a significant amount of friction around the um, uh, Oasis, the web services uh, specifications coming out of Oasis, and of course they were these were being the specification was being done in Oasis, but the adoption and the extensions were being done um, uh, were proposed to be done in other organisations. What we what we actually happened was this was at the time of the birth of of the web services, uh, certainly the web services federation, WSF, um, out of, um, which for, um, Kantara's, uh, forerunner. And, uh, we also had, uh, with WS, we, we absolutely had, uh, the same thing from a similar thing from Microsoft. So actually what we had is quite a lot of some, uh, industry friction, if you like. And what we tried to do with that was to heal that. Uh, when we decided that, you know, uh, well, when we, it was way before my time, but when the, uh, but when the, um, the industry decided that actually the, the whole movement had moved from, you know, um, uh, XML and SAML and SOAP based to, 
um, JSON and uh, OAuth protocols. Really, you know, there was nothing to fight over anymore. Everyone knew that the technology had moved on. They needed, you know, short, um, sharper and shorter things, um, uh, much easier specifications for developers to work to. So they basically, you know, put down their spares, put them back in the locker, and uh, um, and what Cantara wanted to do was to heal that, to be a broad church and uh, to offer um, uh, any player any player at all to come in and uh, and to contribute and uh, not be forced in any way to um, to pay or to play or whatever and um, and that actually you know remains absolutely um, a focus of the board today that the board is adamant that it will not lose uh, that uh, that ethos of uh, allowing anyone in the community to come in and do their um, and contribute um, to the best of their ability and to their motivation. Mm -hmm. So the the history of Cantara has been uh, to build this bridge, and it's nice to see now that you were explaining the the logo. Also, <laughs> I just yes, saw it in my right. screen. Yeah, now I understand more the the logo. It's, uh, yeah, this <laughs> this the the, the um, circle bridge or curly bridge? How do you describe it? Yeah. Yes, that that's right. And you know, um, yeah, that's that's the history. That's the history. And now it's time to celebrate the ten years. So, could you tell us that's where and when is the party? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Still to be determined. Certainly, okay. you're going to see in the next few. Uh, you're certainly going to see in the next few months uh, much more coming out about the. Uh, about the 10th anniversary. The thing is, uh, we've, we've struggled with the party because, uh, okay. we need to have many parties in many parts of the world. Oh, yes. You know, we've, we've got members spread right across the world. Uh, but certainly we're going to be focusing around, uh, the events that we, um, traditionally attend. Uh, and our plenaries, both in North America and in Europe. So we're looking forward to, uh, using those as opportunities to, uh, reflect on um, our past 10 years and uh, where we go um, going forwards. We're looking forward to doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I would like to hear now a bit uh, if we focus more on the on the present and in, in the future. What would you say now there are today the, the main challenges in digital identity? Well, you know, certainly we've got... Um, uh, we've got some really big challenges. I mean, I think most people are aware of the, you know, the issues with passwords. Um, and this is, you know, a, a real big problem. And the, and the thing about it is actually that, you know, uh, you've got to be actually very careful about, um, uh, the role of digital identity. It's, it's absolutely critical, but it was never really designed to be, uh, you know, an end in itself. And I think that's one of the, issues that uh, industry has faced, I was certainly observing it, um, that uh, many organizations, uh, you know, find their niche in digital identity and therefore effectively recreate the challenge rather than uh, moving on. From a user's perspective, they want digital identity to be ubiquitous. Mm. They don't want it to be this awful enterprise-oriented username, password thing that it is today. And that's why it's so important to have um, 
um, to support those folks, uh, not only Gendara, but but the uh, uh, the other organisations such as Fido Alliance, uh, who have been doing so much work, and, and Ubico and Ubiki, uh, so much work in providing easier ways in which to manage uh, the authentication. The, the other problem we've got uh, with digital identity today is that we've got this this replication and repetition and duplication of personal data uh, uh, sprinkled and spread across uh, a multitude of services that are, that are, that the end user might be visiting because they keep asking for that same data. Uh, and part of the problem is, and it's not, a, this is not a technology thing. Uh, this is partly to do with, um, first of all, that authoritative sources of data often are governments and government has been reluctant to expose that that data in a in a in a way that uh, can be received by relying parties mm-hmm. you know with the uh, with the consent and and um, an explicit consent and permission of of the uh, uh, of the um, of the user of the personal user whose data it is uh, whose data is about them so from that perspective I think that's partly the problem why um, organizations tend to recollect that. Of course, the other reason is we know from, you know, the, the big social media platforms that the data is, you know, the, the new oil, uh, of the internet. This is the way in which, uh, they're mining that data to be able to link it to other things, uh, and then add value to it, uh, without your knowledge, uh, without the user's knowledge or, or really explicit acceptance. Um, to make money um, as they sell that on in one way, shape, or form to third parties. So these are um, significant challenges uh, today, and and we are um, we have many more techniques. Not many of them new. If you even look at some of the blockchain distributed ledger stuff, I mean it's it's not new. It's just recast uh, for. A, a different context and a different use. So I do think there is, you know, while there is a lot of hype in the black blockchain and uh, distributed ledger space, there are going to be some use cases where um, that's going to be helpful. I also think that as security and we get under understand uh, how uh, things can be better secured these days, uh, that we're going to have. Uh, more authoritative sources finding ways to release that data in a secure and private way uh, to third parties with um, the uh, the user's consent and the flow. Uh, and I, I I certainly see the adoption and the expansion of those things uh, pretty critical. I think the other thing is, as we talk about digital identity, and I'm coming back to my first point, was that we don't really Digital identity is a ubiquitous thing. I mean, what are we doing identity, digital identity for? We're, we're literally wanting to get to the point. It's, it's a path along the way to get to the point of entitlement. You know, you, we just want to know that, uh, um, this is the person who's entitled to a service. Um, and we're not dealing with, um, a, a fraudulent, um, uh, uh, digital entity, and we want to make sure it is uh, the right person um, that we're dealing with before we in, 
we give them entitlement to service A or B. And so in that sense, that's, you know, really why, of course, Kantara went into user managed access um, and why that is, you know, currently sitting for international standardization in uh, in the IETF very much as, you know, consent receipt is sitting for standardization in ISO. Uh, it, it's, it's a step along the way, and I think we've got to be, uh, we've got to be mindful that we're talking about a digital economy play of which digital identity is an, an important and necessary step, but it's a means to an end, not an end in itself. Mm-hmm. And what do you expect um, for Cantara in the next 10 years? Yes, interesting. Well, you know, we have a broad scope, and that is uh, uh, a blessing and a curse. Uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, to try and uh, keep an organization um, uh, spread across the world with a global brand, a global membership, uh, both doing, you know, feeders from its uh, uh, con- community work groups for best practice and standardization, as well as the R&D, a lot of that's uh, happening in Europe now, uh, and uh, and all feeding into conformity assessment and trust marking and trust frameworks. Uh, it's hard to know, and it's hard to know what to actually leave out. Uh, and this is a, 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 this is actually a monthly discussion, a fixed agenda, a topic uh, on Cantara's uh, board. Um, that uh, currently comprises Forge Rock, uh, Experian, the Internet Society, and Digi.me, uh, as well as Kantara's own leadership council, the operational side of the of the work groups, and so on. Uh, and between the five of them, we have that uh, we have this as a as a uh, fixed agenda item because it is a broad scope, uh, and yet. Uh, not one board member is interested in letting one piece go because the rhythm of Kantara is is essentially those those three elements the you know the R and D the conformity assessment and the uh, standardisation good practice working in a kind of orchestration no one really wants that to to get away uh, um, to leave the organisation because it's really at the heart of it. I do think, though, that uh, we're certainly going to see much more emphasis on third-party uh, conformity assessments um, in the next 10 years than we've seen in the past 10 years. We certainly started to see that, you know, initially with governments and, uh, you know, to some extent in the financial services industry, if you think of PSS, DCI, and so on. Um, but uh, DCI, PSS, you know, but, uh, but what we should say is that um, I do see much more emphasis on that. I also see a, a shift, actually, I think, towards Europe. One of the interesting things that you know Europe has done with uh, uh, GDPR and EIDAS and e-privacy coming up is is it's it's uh, given motivation for industry to get on and do things uh, in a way that uh, sometimes you would like to think that industry would be self-motivated to do, uh, but doesn't always achieve that. And I think we, we end up in, in, uh, you know, that hodgepodge of sort of kind of, um, 
of regulation that we have in the US, um, but where no one party is strong enough to actually, you know, to to motivate a whole industry to change its its behaviour. Uh, I do see that in Europe, and I think that uh, certainly Cantara's Cantara's uh, um, uh, presence in Europe through its Estonian base, uh, certainly in the H2020 funding NGI Trust uh, and some other uh, some other H2020 projects coming up, um, will will play a major role in in how Cantara um, uh, focuses. Uh, and expands its uh, trust framework operations uh, and conformity assessment program in Europe. And certainly looking forward to giving uh, announcements on how that's developing in uh, quite a short time. Thank you. Yeah, it's very interesting. So a lot already um, planned in Cantara and, <laughs> and on your leadership and everybody who is working with you. So many things are, are definitely coming and it's, and it's great to be part of that. So we are a bit uh, heading to the end of this conversation. Um, we've been talking a lot about specifications, uh, what the industry is doing by the governments. And I will ask you something that is more into the individual, something that any of us can do. If you can leave us with a, a tip, some practical advice, what can we do to protect our digital identity? <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, well, you know, there's, uh, there's a number of things, but I think, you know, most critical today is to use a password manager. We still have far too uh, many passwords. We, this, this is going to go, but you know, if you, if it was a tip for today, I mean, it won't be the same tip in a year or two's time. I keep, you know, I think I remember saying this two years ago as well, um, but, uh, you know, it's been slower to take on, but yeah. use a password manager to, um, manage your passwords, uh, rather than have them sprinkled and spread around across the internet and forgetting, uh, forgetting what they are and actually then reusing the same one mm -hmm. so that if, if one gets stolen, then you, you are in sort of kind of deep trouble, um, because you've used that. It only takes a hacker to work, uh, to hack your password once and one, and one, uh, because there's a data breach on a particular service provider that you've used. And then of course you're, you're, you've got to think about where else you've used that password. You're managing, hundreds of passwords, you might've used that, reused that password, you know, 60 times elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Got to get out of that habit, I think is, uh, uh, is the, is the very first thing. And the second thing is be very careful about, um, minimizing the amount of personal information, uh, that you provide. So, mm -hmm. uh, look for sites where, um, uh, where minimal identity is being, uh, uh, identity information is being asked for. Uh, and, uh, be sure to be careful about how much you spread that around. And I, I would look to, um, uh, focus on sites where, uh, you might have an existing longer term relationship and be mindful of, um, of looking looking at new sites, inspect new sites very very carefully. Look for things like uh, look for new sites um, such as um, when you look at a website, look for the green uh, the green code. Um, 
for sure. Look for the green code to make sure that the uh, the site is a safe one that's got EMV certificates and so on. All right. Thanks a lot for these tips. Uh, could I agree more? Um, and thanks a lot for this very, very inspiring interview with you, uh, this, the history of Kantara and all the work you're doing uh, with other organizations, um, enthusiastic people in companies who are devoted to secure the, the identity of everybody. Well, thank you, Oscar. And thank you, Ubi Secure, for the opportunity. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing uh, more news as, uh, as our 10th anniversary year rolls on. Exactly. Thank you very much. And finally, please tell us how we can find you on the net. Ah, of course. Yes. Well, me personally, uh, Kantara at Kantara Colin at, at sign capital K A N T A R A capital C O L I N. Uh, also the Kantara website, uh, dot org, uh, and also www.kantarainitiative.eu. Those are probably the best places to find us. You could also, of course, find us on LinkedIn under just looking for Kantara Initiative. Look forward to seeing you there. Excellent. Again, uh, Colin, it was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Thanks for listening. Let's talk about digital identity is produced by UBSecure. Be sure to subscribe and visit ubsecure.com slash podcast to join the conversation and access the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at UBSecure or find us on LinkedIn. Until next time.